0: John Isner, 40-love, 5-4, championship point number one. Can he finish it off in style? Reaches, serves, slaps, there it is! It's an ace from John Isner to win the biggest title of his career. John Isner is a Masters 1000 winner. John Isner, champion in Miami, his first Masters 1000 title in his fourth final and the new world number nine. What a way for the curtain to fall on the final Miami Open to be held at the Crandon Park Tennis Center in Key Biscayne. And you're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. It's lovely to have your company, myself, Shiji Sam alongside Miles McClagan. And it did feel Miles as we were building up to that final. There was something written in the stars about this final, the last one to be played here and an American in the final.
1: Well, they've had so much success at this event already this year. And uh, John Isner, the way he had played leading into it, you knew that it, it could be in his hands. The serve was was firing as you'd expect, but from the ground as well. So dominant, so effective, the form coming in. And, uh, it, yeah, it was, it was an amazing match.
0: We've said a couple of times over the course of the week that maybe this is some of the best tennis that John Isner has ever played. Something else, maybe it's the most emotion we've ever seen from john isner on a tennis court
1: oh, without doubts most emotion i've ever seen from him leading up to in that game serving for, for the match you know he was really feeding off the crowd it was a, an incredible atmosphere i think isn't himself said in a speech afterwards the best atmosphere he's ever experienced on, on a tennis court again not for the first time this week we had a davis cup like uh crowd and um Absolutely, he, he was energised he and he really used it, closing the, the, the title out with three aces, what a way <laughs> to get the job done, but the, but you're absolutely right the tennis, and I, I think as well the best tennis he's ever played and, and if he plays this sort of way, aggressive on the front, he doesn't always need to play his best because it's so intimidating because you know even being a long way off serving well, he's still going to hold on to it, put pressure on his opponents and that's what the, happened in the final today because I don't think either the men played as well perhaps today as they had played in the in the previous couple of matches leading in but that didn't mean there's any shortage of drama.
0: 79 aces for the tournament for John Isner 18 today he was playing someone in Sasha Zverev who entered this tournament as the world number five in the fourth seed who he had failed to beat on three previous attempts they did meet at this uh, tournament last year in Miami it was 7-6 in the tiebreak, break to Zverev in the third but I think more astounding than that was the lack of form that john isner was showing coming into this final i mean and not a lot of people maybe no one apart from close friends and family would have tipped isner to get anywhere near this final having won two matches in 2018.
1: no you really wouldn't it was it was a name that just wasn't mentioned uh, two wins coming into he did win the doubles last week in, in Indian Wells with with Jack Sock and, and that must have been a boost just reminded him what that winning feeling was like it had to have helped him and he got better and better each round today's final was uh, was played in very very hot conditions and Isner was struggling i mean at, you know during the middle of that third set Hands on knees a number of times, and he looked like he was struggling to put one foot in front of a, the other. The thing with John is when he feels like that, he can still hold on to his serve. So, uh, but the conditions weren't always like that. There were some really, really windy, uh, windy conditions earlier in the week when he played Marin Cilic. Uh, it, it was very, very breezy. He was still able to serve high quality. So that was. A good sign, and then uh, against Chung, who he uh, who had been playing so well leading to that, he was very dominant. Didn't allow Chung to settle at all. Uh, really, really frustrated the Korean. That was incredibly impressive.
0: One of my favourite parts of John Isner's speech. He obviously thanks Rev and the tournament in his box was thanking his chiropractor <laughs> because he's six foot ten. He said, "Look, I'm six foot ten. I'm 32 years of age. So the biggest thanks to my chiropractor, who travels with him full time to keep the is." Is the body going?
1: Yeah, and, and, and these guys almost becomes maybe the most important person on the team, especially at when players get a little older, because they most of them do. They should get a little smarter, know their game, know their. But it's about feeling feeling healthy, and getting out on the court, or maybe just rolling them out of bed to start <laughs> start with by the end of the week. But yeah, so for you know keeping keeping themselves loose and or as loose as possible because there's no fun. it's no fun for anybody stepping out on the court and being a bit sluggish because your back's stiff or, or your knees hurt and, and, and Isn't it incredibly who in, in his first match against Jerry uh, Vesely left the court at the end of the second set and was really limping around, had lost that set 6-1 and you wondered if he would even come back on the court, held serve a couple times whatever they did, maybe a couple of anti-inflammatories, started to uh, uh, started to take effect, and, and by the end of that, he was he was playing a lot better. So you know how the story could have ended so differently.
0: Once he's shrugged off the disappointment, the man he beat, Smash, Sasha Zverev, has has a lot to take. From this tournament, because he too was lacking form coming in, as he does move up a place in the rankings to world number four, but he'd only had six wins coming into Miami. He had a first match exit for him at Indian Wells, and yet he made his way through four seeds and some tough matches to reach the final.
1: Yeah, had to had to earn, earn a spot, and and again, didn't look great in the early rounds. Had to fight against, the, you know. Uh, Daniel Medvedev 7-6 and a third to get through that first round. An error-strewn match, but got better and better as it went. Then took on David Ferrer, which is a match you know you're going to have to hit, work hard, earn your earn your victory, hit a lot of balls. So that perhaps helped him. Nick Kyrgios, who uh, pushed him in the second set. First set was gone, and well, f- the first six games were gone in 15 minutes. But Sverre was was very mentally stable in that match because Kyrgios, is, as always, throwing throwing all sorts, and the crowd was. Was, was pretty excitable on a chorich after that who was uh, who's shown some excellent form in the sunshine so he's been solid throughout the confidence is built the game has got better and, and better he just couldn't quite get over the line
0: and nice in zverev's speech and this is something we touched on before the final they'd been practicing together since zverev was 14 and he was at the saddlebrook academy and obviously his older brother misha was on tour and he's practicing with john Isley. he said a lot of people might not know this, and you might not believe this, but a lot of what I do now, John, is thanks to you. At the time spent on the practice courts.
1: No, that, that's quite a compliment to, to John. Is than be interesting to find out what what that is, and uh, yeah. So from a, from a fourteen year old, Isner would have been. You know, would have been—it's uh, only six years ago—would have been 26, so and a well-established pro. And um, you know, what an opportunity! But clearly, the talent was was spotted young, and Zverev that he was given those opportunities. But uh, you know, I'm sure, hopefully, one day it'll, those tables will be turned, and <laughs> some 20-year-old will be looking up at a, at a creaky Sasha Zverev, saying, "Thanks for all the help."
0: <laughs> so, John is is the winner in Miami. So he takes a trophy. He also takes a trophy for the most aces with 79, and for the. Five Masters forehand of 117 mile per hour that he shot down, shot across the court, inside out against Juan Martín del Pocho in the semi finals. This brings me on to maybe that was it, your highlight or highlights from Miami.
1: Well, the Young Guns played some good tennis. We mentioned already Chung, who really, for a while, you know, backed up all the success he's had. Uh, play was, was perhaps a little disappointing in that match against Isna but was just was really bullied around by the big play uh, good to see Borna charge continuing the form uh, the, uh, the semi final he had in Indian Wells last week continuing that sort of form and had a tough match with Shapovalov who I think is just at, at, at a young 18 years old just maybe mentally got a little bit tired but I think the, the standout match for me was that Kokenak is Federer match you know, Incredible. The, the, it, it was really really good Tennis Kokonakis who's missed a lot of tennis because of injury uh, it was impressive how he played he, he said uh, he said afterwards I feel like when I'm on my game there's not many people that can stay with me um, Unfortunately for him, Fernando Videscu was able to stay with him (laughs) and a little bit more just one round later. But he certainly played some great tennis.
0: I think it's only right as we've done our highlights from the tournament, with this being the final tournament to be held at the Crandon Park Tennis Centre. It moves to the Hard Rock Stadium from next year. Uh, Maybe a personal highlight for you from this tournament being held where it has been.
1: I, I played the qualities of a, a, a as a as a player that um that certainly wouldn't have really been <laughs> <laughs> for the for the highlight reel and um yeah i suppose as a coach you know, i had players win the, the doubles and the, and the singles which was which was pretty nice um wayne black and and, and kevin elliott uh and you know r- running back running back into the city after about a 50-minute run um, so Spence has some good <laughs> memories there with Andy Murray I remember you know after he won it, Jok- beat Djokovic a very very tough match both guys you know even sitting there you're wondering like how do they keep putting their bodies through this and then uh, going just across the road because it's a beautiful side across the road there's a beach the other side and, and having there was a photo shoot for, for that and we were just having a little swim oh. and that was a very nice moment
0: oh they sound like really lovely moments so you've and got memories and my favourite restaurant oh yes you know
1: they talked about there was a little ch- ch- I think the favourite, my favourite Restaurant in the world is in on South Beach Prime 112.
0: Is it? What, what did you have there? It's, you kind it's of a steak, did you have? I was going to st- say, do you yeah. kind of personally find a favourite and you have the same thing every time?
1: No, I, I mix it around, but it's um, great. It's steaks, meats big salads on the beach. It's yeah. I think oh. I think the address is 112 um, Ocean Drive. I oh, should be getting a discount next but time. You
0: should, you get a little card, but you'll have to travel a little bit further yeah. because it's not going to be there next time. But if it's your favourite restaurant you will find it. Uh, Miles McLagan, it's been an absolute pleasure, lovely to spend it's been great. Thank you. this time and to spend a little bit of Easter with yeah. you. So that's it from us, but not, you'll be happy to know from this week's ATP Tennis Radio podcast, because coming up for you we put together some of the best bits from the best interviews. So you're going to be hearing from the likes of Goran Even Brad Gilbert, and the most successful coach in Miami this time round, he had the doubles and singles winner, David McPherson, all speaking, all in the company of Seb
2: Lozier. This is ATP Tennis Radio. I'm with a very busy man, David McPherson, coach of John Isner, and also the Bryan brothers. First of all, David, though, uh, John, there's a different John out there. What's the difference between that John and the John that's been playing for the rest of the season and and has been struggling?
3: Oh Well, I mean, gosh, I mean, things, momentum swings, but, but right now he's really rededicated himself Uh, to the mental side of the game I think that uh, that's probably been where everything's just gone a little astray maybe just uh, feeling a little you know putting too much pressure on himself so we're just working hard on just trying to stay as relaxed as possible and allow that the talent to flow and of course, when he's relaxed he, he moves better too so I think that that this week he's accomplished that good mental zone that's enabled him to play to his potential
2: and towards the end of last season, I mean, he was still in contention to go to London. Uh, that didn't happen in the end. Uh, we, all, we all know how that panned out. Um, he then got married, of course, in the off-season. Uh, presumably had a little bit of time off.
3: How did the off-season work out? Yeah, look, I mean, he, he had a you know, strong finish to last year. He made a great run to the semis of Paris and uh, was probably a point or two away of uh, contending for London. So, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah but then even better thing happened to him he got married and uh you know he and maddie uh had their honeymoon and um so yeah look it was a special time in his life and um and then yeah look i mean he offseason uh, off season was a tiny bit shorter um but still i mean look it's just uh he's in great shape now and um they're super happy and uh yeah it's I think he's in a good place you know where he's really happy with his life and um, he's um, enjoying his tennis yeah.
2: And you've just come back into the fold from college tennis where you also coach very good timing and it, it obviously bodes well having you now in the camp for the rest of the season the way he's played here.
3: Yeah no I mean uh, George Washington my, my college up in DC I' been you know, so good uh, working with me and um, letting me you know come down to Miami here and you know, I miss my team back there and I, I'm looking forward to getting back to them. We have a big month ahead of us. We've got our, you know, a 10 championships coming up and I'm looking forward to getting back to them. Uh, but, yeah, and once the college season is concluded, I'll, I'll get back to the pros and spend some more time with John and Mike and Bob.
2: And j- just finally, David, I also wanted to ask you about Bob and Mike. Um, I got the sense talking to them in Paris that they weren't happy with the way things went last season. You know, in terms, of their expectations are just simply so high, and I'm sure yours are the same. Um, better start to the season, albeit losing finals won't sit well with
3: them, presumably. Yeah, they set the bar so high. So, uh, but having said that, yes, they, for them, there's nothing more painful than losing finals because they've won so many. But they are playing well, and they are also in a good mental place where they're happy and they're enjoying their tennis and uh, uh, in a great place in their lives. So, And they're physically in really good shape at f- virtually 40 years old. They're still just flying around the court and uh, I think just in a good place, so we'll see. We're just taking it one week at a time. But um, they're very formidable right now. They're playing some beautiful doubles. And so who knows? I mean, the sky's the limit for them uh, going forward. This is ATP Tennis Radio.
2: I wanted to get a sense, a real sense of where Juan Martín del Potro is at. Also, how revered he is in Argentina and in South America. So the perfect person to talk to, I thought, was Agustín La who is a presenter for SportsCenter uh, here in uh, Miami. Tell me first, Agostina, um, what you're up to here. What are you doing?
4: Well, I'm actually doing these transmissions for Sports Center in Argentina. We are following Juan Martín del Potro's steps uh, here in the Miami Open. Obviously, we are very glad about his his matches and his performances in the court, and we have the chance to talk to him. Uh, In all of the interviews, we are feeling that he's a little bit tired, obviously, because he has just won Acapulco after that. He won his first master meal in Indian Wells, and he has been winning for 15 matches in a row. So his body, obviously, is a little bit tired, and he is suffering a little bit from that.
2: How will the media in Argentina and South America be reporting on him?
4: Well, you know that a few days ago Argentina in football, our main sport in Argentina is football, obviously. And Messi is the number one hero, but in the last few days we have a very huge defeat against Spain. And everybody was talking about this defeat. So Juan Martín del Potro became the hero of the last few days by reaching all these victories here in the states uh, when he's feeling like uh, tired or, or maybe uh, being um overwhelmed about all the all what is what is going on on the court uh, he takes all the the love of the crowd and he gets over that uh, in argentina we have a lot of cheering and it's super common that you go to a football stadium and you hear the people singing all the time. Well, here they are trying to, to take some of the football fans, uh, those habits, to tennis.
2: So hang on a minute. You're, you're telling me that he is being held in the same esteem at the moment as Lionel Messi. Is that right?
4: I think that we have now three big heroes in Argentina. Maybe Leo is the biggest one. But he will be in a podium, with no doubts, with Manu Ginobili. Uh, Leo Messi and Juan Martín del Potro. I think nowadays they are the the big three heroes of Argentina and maybe of Latin America too.
2: You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. I'm with Pablo Carreño Busta, who's having such a great Miami Open so far. Pablo, first of all, after the end of last season, you must be happy with the way uh, things are going here
5: yeah i uh <laughs> the last the last season at the, at the end of the last season i i wasn't playing really good i maybe i lost my confidence not but now i start to to play again my tennis to play my le- my level and and i think in the big tournaments i'm i'm playing good it's true that the last month in South America was not the the best results but well uh, last week in Indian Wells I lost 7-6 in the third set against Kevin Anderson in a really good match and now I'm in qualifying again.
2: You were in London the last time we spoke I think it was in London um, which was testament to a wonderful season that you'd had Um, Did that affect your off-season a little bit the fact that you were were in London?
5: Well it's it's tough to to go to the off-season after playing in London you finish the season very late and you have, have, I, I haven't got uh, holidays and I, I go to, to practice again early and well it's not easy but I think that uh, we work very hard and we work very good and I'm ready to, to play this season well.
2: I am sitting with a, a very proud and happy coach Samuel Lopez coach of Pablo Carreño Buster. And, uh, well, first of all, uh, Samuel, thank you very much for talking with us
6: on ATP Tennis Radio. It's a pleasure for me, no problem.
2: I spoke with Pablo at the end of last season or towards the end of last season and he'd obviously been struggling <coughs> for form. He didn't have many wins after the US Open. What's different now?
6: No, it's, uh, in this moment, I think it's like Pablo is like Anderson, like all people that the first time go to, they had chance for to go to London mm-hmm. and he's he played like Favodi for the first time in, the, in his career. And then it's difficult. It's, you, you need to, to understand this. And then now he has more experience. We work a lot about the service, about continuing to, to work in, in aggressive tennis. Uh, and he understands that he, he needs to, to play for, uh, for to win. Um, OK, now coming the result. His confidence seems a lot better now as well. Yes, he has uh, confidence. Uh, I think that uh, after two Davis Cup, he has some problem uh, in the for his ill before two Davis Cup, and then he arrived to the Suramerica America with not many good sensation. But now he recovered this sensation. I think that he he can he can back again to top. This
2: is ATP Tennis Radio. 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 I am delighted to be sitting in the. One of the players' uh, relaxation areas here in Miami with Goran Ivanicevic, who is coaching Milos Raonic, of course. And uh, Goran, so far, so good. going very well.
7: Yes, so far. You know, we started a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, him coming after injury and uh, a long time not playing. is not easy always with a big guy like that. But with the weapons he has, so far, it's perfect. Semis of uh, Palm Springs, quarters here, and I'm happy. When did you first start talking
2: with Milos about potentially doing this?
7: Actually, his manager uh, approached me in Australian Open this year when I came to play my old man tournament and had fun. So he asked me if I'm available, if I like to try, uh, and uh, then we agreed that I we start a week before Indian Wells. We had a week uh, practice in LA, then we went to Palm Springs. I mean, I look, you know, Miloš is uh, first of all mentality, you know, he's playing for Canada, but his background is Montenegro, Croatia, it's all Balkan, so it's pretty much the same mentality. Our games were similar, my game and his game, so, you know, uh, there's a lot of potential, he's one of the best player out there, he was already number three finals of Wimbledon, so... I said why not and uh, so far, you know, I'm enjoying, he's enjoying, I think I'm enjoying and the results are good.
2: In terms of his game, where are you trying to help him the most?
7: Well, you know, everybody, you know, as soon as you start to work with something, what are you going to change? I mean, I'm not here to teach him how to hit forehands back and serve, you know, he knows all of that. We can improve some things, we can work on some, you know, things to be better, to be constant coup but you know sometimes the a good atmosphere a little bit I tell him what I did wrong so he doesn't do the same mistakes you know if he he's gonna do 20-30 mistakes here if, he, if I can cut that to 10 so it's 20 mistakes less we did a good job so and these technical things we can work the wall is uh, when to come in when not to come in he's not the guy who's gonna run and uh, you know stay back so Obviously, we're going to try to work on his aggressiveness coming in and uh, that's pretty much it. But I'm not going to invent something new, you know.
2: He, he's, he's also worked with Jonas. Um, now he's working with, with you. He's working with Jonas in Delray Beach and obviously you're, you're enjoying such success. Are you ready to come back out on tour and be a full-time coach? Is, is, is that the idea from your
7: side? I never will be a full-time coach. I was never before full-time coach. I, is gonna be another guy. Who? But this is also my, you know, trying period. So you know, uh, I'm talking, you know, in, too much in advance. We have to sit. I'm joking. I have to sit after the after we finish here, and we have to see if he's happy. How how you know? We didn't talk about that because Jonas tried in Delray and the week before. Definitely has to be two coaches because uh, if I continue, let's assume that I will and uh, I can't travel all year. I have my family and, and you know, I want to spend some sure. time at home. So, you know, it's... Uh, I cannot tell you anything spectacular, now, any plans, anything because I don't have any idea. I finish for Miami and then after Miami... If you see me somewhere, that means that we continue and then I can tell you more about the schedule and plan.
2: You mentioned the family family life obviously doesn't mix too well with tennis and the tour. What are you doing the rest of the time if you're not on tour?
7: I'm pretty busy, you know. First of all, my son is playing tennis and he loves it, you know, and... uh I take him to the tournament, he's already 11, uh, it's gonna be soon, and uh, you know, he, my daughter is horseback riding, so I, when I have free time, I go with her to the tournaments, so it's it's, it's a busy life, you always have something to do, you know, uh, I like this, I think I still can give something to tennis, i still uh, enjoying, as soon as you don't enjoy something, it's better not to do, you know, and uh, I, I was uh, off for like 7-8 months after I finished with Thomas, So. I really uh, enjoy to be back, it's two nice tournaments, you know, sometimes, and now the Europe starts, so it's, it's uh, everything what you do, you need to enjoy, otherwise it's, uh, it's better to stay home.
2: Yeah, seeing, seeing you on tour just, just finally, and it makes, it makes me nostalgic, you know, and you, and you tend to think back. Here in Miami, you, you played a number of times here yourself. I think you, your best year was 96, you beat Chang in the, qu- in the quarterfinals in the semi-finals, your memories of that?
7: Yeah, it was a good tournament, but not a bad uh, good memory in the in the final, I had to default because of my neck against Andre, That you mentioned him, uh, I thought I played very well, uh, actually here it's an very, sometimes like today actually, windy, so sometimes tennis is very terrible, but you need to win. You come here not to... Somebody tells you, you play beautiful tennis. Who cares in the end? It's important in the end who wins or who loses. So there were questions today. There were so many matches that I have here. And it's nice to see my, my colleagues, you know. We're all limping. We're all, uh, uh, we all overweight. We're uh, having problems with some part of the body. <laughs> but it's, it's great to see them all.
2: Uh, just finally, I read somewhere that, uh, you know, if you do... If you do get the gig with, with Milosh and, and you uh, let's assume you do, uh, you're gearing it all towards Wimbledon. You're talking about Wimbledon, thinking about Wimbledon. Presumably that's because it suits Milosh so well, but also because time-wise, is that a realistic aim to, for him to be really reaching his top?
7: Let's say yes, after the injuries, uh, it takes time, it takes uh, matches. Honestly, this what happened in these two weeks is more than I expected to be honest I mean with his game you never know he can just come and blow you off the court but you know I think he needs to lose couple of kilos he needs to be in better shape and all these little things and uh, you practice now I told him uh, when he started in LA all this all clay it's preparation for Wimbledon and what's going to happen after Wimbledon whatever happened in this run it's great and it's bonus for you so far it's happening well but uh, He played the final of Wimbledon two years ago, so he knows what he's doing on grass. He has a great game for the grass. And if he's fit and if he's here, okay, uh, can be very, very dangerous. One of potential uh, favourites to win Wimbledon.
2: Goran, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. I'm delighted to talk with Christian Schneider, coach of Borna Chorich. Great two weeks in Indian Wells as well. Confidence must be very high at the moment.
8: Yes, I agree. His confidence is rising, you know, but still there is a lot of work. We go match by match, you know, and every match is a new match. So, you know, we we just want to be ready uh, for uh, each match and be better and better.
2: Is he good to work with?
8: Yes, I must say that Borna is a very, very good uh, player to work with and he's also a very good person. So I really enjoy working with Borna, and yes, uh, as you said, I started with Borna in October last year. So now it's going to be six months. Yeah. A lot of people
2: were were wondering um, whether Borna's game had plateaued, whether he'd reached his potential, but you've managed to get so much more out of him. How have you done that?
8: Well, actually, it's not only me. You know, you you got to know that uh, here is Ricardo Piatti as well main Borna's coach he didn't travel so far but i believe he's gonna travel with us uh, when the clay season starts so yes I think Borna has a generally very good team of people around himself right now and uh, and together with all these people i think he can uh, find his pot- potential and, and be better and better yeah it
2: seems more relaxed
8: he is yeah we are working also on the on the mental uh, part of the game so yes i agree that he looks much more relaxed yeah
2: How can he improve more from here? Where can you improve his game?
8: Well, actually, I still see a lot of space for improvement. You know, if you want, on the serve, on return, uh, forehand, backhand. Uh, Honestly, I think uh, uh, this is a long-term project, and I think that uh, he can really be better and better each day, each week, each month. This is ATP Tennis Radio. Radio.
2: I am with Neville Godwin, coach of Hyun Chung. Neville, what a start to the season. Talk to me about uh, Hyun Chung and how pleased you are with the way he's playing at the moment.
9: Yeah, I mean, it's been a fantastic start to the season. Obviously, something you probably couldn't have imagined when we began working together, but uh, very exciting. And uh, I'm just very happy for him. He's a very level-headed guy, very humble guy. And uh, he's just going about his daily business.
2: You were, of course, with Kevin Anderson, who's enjoying a great season himself. Hyun Chung, 10 years younger than Kevin, how much did that excite
9: you as well, working with a younger player? Well, yeah, it's a completely different prospect, different challenge. Um, very exciting completely different skill sets, so challenging myself as a coach a little bit. Um, very happy, obviously, for Kevin, who's doing really well. Uh, we had four fantastic years together, so that's, you know, we're obviously very happy for him that he's doing well. Um, yeah, and it's just nice to challenge yourself from a coaching perspective, uh, someone really young and um, not, I, would, I don't want to say easier to mould, but uh, it's just a different challenge completely.
2: Yeah, watching Hyun Chung at the next-gen finals in Milan at the end of last year it was striking, just how Physical and how ready he was—he looked to just tackle this level. Uh, physically, he's he's such a specimen, isn't he?
9: Yeah, he really is, and um, he knows his game. He knows his game pretty well. He knows what he needs to improve on. Um, and that was sort of like the brief. The first thing we spoke about is he really wanted to work on his serve, and uh, his serve game has repro- improved a lot this year. Um, you know, his, his numbers have definitely improved, and we changed a little bit in the action, so he's feeling a lot more comfortable with that. And that's. Whenever you go out onto the stage, you know, you have to feel comfortable with what you're doing. And he's doing a really good job of that and keeping things really simple.
2: Where else can he get better?
9: Oh, he he can transition better. He can get forward. You know, he can improve his court position. Um... Uh, yeah the service at work in progress is not the finished article yet so that's going to continue improving and uh, yeah i mean his his return numbers are really good but he could even still be a little bit more offensive and it's going to be interesting moving through the year and going from the hard courts obviously onto the clay onto the grass and and seeing the the different adjustments that we're going to have to make small adjustments by match by match just finally neville i should really address you as reigning atp coach of the year what what did that mean Uh, it was a very special award um it's nice to be acknowledged by your fellow coaches and uh, very privileged and very happy about that. Uh, you know, that they, they acknowledge the work that you do, and obviously, this, this much more famous or much more lauded celebrity coaches. You know, last year we have Rafa Nadal, uh, Carlos Moya, you have Goran, you have so many good coaches floating around. So, just nice to get that little pat on the back from my, my fellow coaches. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. I am here with.
2: Brad Gilbert former world number 4 and a coach also to Andre Agassi and Andy Murray among others Brad I-, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions very much with your coach's hat on you mentioned so many tall guys are going to be in the top 10 and you know it just seems like the average tennis player now is, is a giant um, as a coach do you think that's changing the game
10: it's just, you know it's been going that way for a while i mean you know the last player To win a slam under six feet tall is Gaudio, I believe, in 2004 French Open. So, you know, obviously, you know, Schwartzman at five foot six-ish, you know, what he's doing is amazing. But obviously, you can't coach height. That's the big change, is these big guys are moving so much better, um, and obviously the, the ability for some of these guys that size to be able to serve is just a massive advantage. Isner can hit spots on the court that uh, obviously a smaller guy it's impossible. He's serving straight down, and he's hitting angles that, you know, guys under six feet, it would be impossible to create.
2: And his upturn in form has coincided with his coach, David McPherson, who's also the Brian's coach, of course, coming back into the fold. I think he coaches at George Washington. Do you read anything into that?
10: Well, he's obviously having an amazing tournament where, you know, he's got both, you know, the Bryans and the Isner in the final. Um, he was with his Isner in Australia, so he kind of like during the college season kind of takes some breaks and then he comes back. But obviously they have found a mix here this week um, and it starts with his ability to get some, you know, breaks of serve. And he hit a 117 mile an hour forehand yesterday, the biggest one I've ever seen him hit.
2: And for Sasha, obviously he's here with his dad at the moment. Um, Do you think he needs something else or someone else to help him go to the next level, particularly in the slams?
10: Definitely. Otherwise, I mean, I'm sure the whispers of Lendl, you know, he wouldn't have come. Um, And they had Ferrero; it didn't work out. But I I still think that there's something there that they're looking for. I think Sasha's a great kid. His dad's done a great job. They've got a great team around him. But I'm sure, just like everybody else, they're looking to figure out what can help him make a deep run in the second week of a slam.
2: What do you make of the phenomenon of super coaches and what they're doing to help players?
10: Well, first of all, I hate that word. You know, know, just whoever invented this super coach, it's a stupid saying. Because they're former players and they're trying to help, you know, and they're coaching. So I think they deserve the respect that they're helping a player, trying to, to become the best player they are. And and for media to call them a super coach, I think it's just ridiculous. Sorry that that gets <laughs> under my skin. No, no, not at all.
2: What do you think they can do specifically to help players, though?
10: Well, obviously, you know... Their, their situation that a lot of them have been in it, played in some big matches. They can help them understand what they're about to go through. Um, and more than anything, I think they're trying to help the player become the best that they can. And the most important thing about coaching, it's not about what you did. It's about looking through the lens of the player that you're coaching and helping them fulfill their dreams.
0: So that's it for this week's podcast. Join us in a week's time for another new offering. And then this is a date for the diary: from the 16th of April. The commentary starts again. It's the first day on clay in Monte Carlo. We look forward to your company. Bye for now.